Okay. I take refuge in the one bright mind. I take refuge in the wisdom of my teachers, starting with Shakyamuni Buddha. So we're continuing doing um, a series of talks on the Mumon Khan. The Mumon Khan is called the Gateless Gate. It's uh, one of the classic collections of koans. Classic collections of sometimes they're, ch- they're translated as teaching stories or paradoxical. What's it? But really, they're they're little tests and they're little measures. So what a koan is is um, we're practicing, and then we say, well, okay, I think I have a little sense of the oneness of things, or the emptiness of things, or the spaciousness of things, or true reality. And then a koan comes up and says, well, okay, you may see the oneness of things, but how does that reflect it in this story? Here's the challenge. Can you, can you see that, not just as an abstract thing, but can you actually see it vividly and presently? So each koan has a little challenge into it. Each koan is a practice tool to say, okay, what's the wisdom here? How does it apply to me? So the the case we're doing this evening from the Mumon Khan is case number six. Shakyamuni holds up a flower. And as um, most of you have heard, this particular collection of koans has three parts. It has the koan, Mumon, who who collected this, there's a commentary, and then there's a poem that he also did. Here's the koan. Long ago, when the world honored one, that's the Buddha, was at Mount Gudarakta to give a talk, he held up a flower before the assemblage. At this, all remained silent. The venerable Kasho alone broke into a smile. The world honored one said, I have the all-pervading true dharma, the incomparable nirvana, exquisite teaching of formless form. It does not rely upon letters and is transmitted outside the scriptures. I now hand it to Mahakashau. Mahakashau is Japanese, Mahakashapa is the Sanskrit, which is what we use here. In the Muman's commentary, yellow-faced Gotama is certainly outrageous. He turns the noble into lowly. He sells dog flesh, advertises a sheep's head. I thought there was something interesting in it. However, at the time, if everyone in the assemblage had smiled, to whom would the true dharma have been handed? Or again, if Kasho had not smiled, would the true dharma have been transmitted? If you say that the true dharma can be transmitted, the yellow-faced old man with his loud voice deceived simple villagers. If you say it cannot be transmitted, then why was Kasho alone approved? In the poem, a flower is held up, a secret has been revealed. Kasho breaks into a smile. The whole assemblage is at a loss. That's the koan. So the essential part of the koan is, um, you know, Mahakashapa is, or the Buddha is giving a talk, and he just picks up a flower one day and holds the flower. Okay. And then somebody in the audience smiles. And according to this koan, that is the moment of transmission. That is the moment of authorization. That's the moment where, where Mahakasho, the second uh, ancestor, received kind of confirmation, affirmation 
of his, his wisdom, his understanding. So, when we're working with these kind of cases, first off, they are not history. It's not about some old guy in India. It's not about some withered guy named Mahakashapa. Um, it, like all koans, is about us. It's about our life. And I'll tell you, the essence of this koan is love. If we really see right to the core of this koan, it's about love. Now, to actually have that direct experience and see how that unfolds takes a certain kind of practice. It takes a practice of letting go of all of our fixed views. So normally with an ordinary mind, we hear this kind of thing and immediately we're judging, okay, the Buddha's got something special and Mahakashapa gets something and I am so inadequate and if I just get this thing, I'll be so much better. The trap with a koan, the thing that, that says, okay, can you really actually see to the core of this or are you going to get caught by? And the thing that we usually get caught by is judgment. The non-dual, the oneness of things, is not judged, does not have judgment. There, is no, there are no two things. There's not a judger and somebody to be judged in one thing. There's just the thing, just the oneness. So all of the koans have some kind of trap in it that allows the judgmental mind to come in there and break, separate, fall back into an ordinary dualistic mind. Now we all, all just hold innumerable fixed ideas. We have these ideas that I'm so special because I'm so inadequate, or I'm so special because I'm so unique. There's an interesting series of, of uh, psychology surveys where psychologists would ask people, okay, I'd like you just to consider yourself. You can all do this right now. Just consider yourself and consider the people who are around you. And I'd like you to think, um, are you, um, do you feel like you are more or less skillful than the people around you? Do you think you communicate a little better or a little worse than the people around you? Do you think you're maybe perhaps a little more ethical, or do you think you're less ethical than the people around you? Do you think you're more sensitive or less sensitive than the people around you? And interestingly enough, at least 95% of people who answer these things say, yes, I am, I am better than average. There's a fundamental discrepancy there. That if we actually were seeing things realistically, you know, half the people would say, yeah, I'm not so, I'm a little inadequate in this area, and half the other people would say, yeah, I'm doing well in this area. But by and large, we all think that somehow we're a little bit more insightful, more sensitive, more aware, more intelligent. You know, we're more ethical or compassionate. There's, of course, a small group of people who just think exactly the opposite, that I'm extraordinary because I'm so inadequate. But one way or another, we don't like to be part of the hoi polloi, you know. We don't like to be part of the <coughs> common people. And so what we do is we instantly start judging. We instantly start evaluating. We instantly start separating. <coughs> I am no good. I am inadequate. Oh, if I just had a better 
car, a better partner, a better house, a better dog, if I just had my health back, if I just had, you know, no sciatica, if I could just run a marathon, if I could just, and we all have all these things that we just add on and add on and on, if only, 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 if only. We think that we somehow are, are doing really well, and then we also have at the same time, if only, if only, if only. We get caught in all of our judgments, our fixed ideas. In a way, we can say that all of liberation is about letting go of our fixed ideas. We have fixed ideas about everything. We have expectations. Why should we expect to have clean water? Why should we expect to have clean air? It's just an expectation in our mind. It's nice, it's great, I hope everybody does. But there is nothing in the universe that says, okay, everybody, it's written in stone, you will have clean water for the rest of your life. It doesn't work that way. So this is a koan where we have the Shakyamuni Buddha here, and we have Mahakasho down here, we have this flower, and we have this transmission that goes on. How do we, what is transmission? What is the um, acceptance, the gathering of, the awakening to wisdom? We often talk about enlightenment as an awakening, awakening to something, awakening to what is. That liberation is not about getting or getting rid of, it's about awakening. Our ordinary mind, the judgmental mind that just puts everything in boxes and is constantly battling, often just goes through the day with just battling our life. Traffic is so bad, the sun is too hot, you know, I've got so much to do, I don't have enough money, I've got this, you know, challenge after challenge after challenge. And the endless challenge to feel safe and to feel on top of things and to get what we want, to not lose, to be succeeding, keep our lives together. The endless challenge is exhausting, exhausting. Exhausting. This exhaustion comes from this separation. It's true that no matter what our life is, there are times that we're tired and times that we're not tired. They're just impermanent states. They just flow through. But when we have a fixed idea, we begin thinking, oh, I am this small, gnarly, exhausted thing. I am this person at the effect of the universe. I am. And then, of course, once we are that thing, we begin to collapse and we feel, oh, my life is such a If we have a glimpse of the oneness and spaciousness of things, that just passes through. It's not, a, it's not a thing. So this koan, as I keep saying, is about the non-dual. It's about non-separation. It's about the non-separation of awakening. It's about our awakening. Our awakening. Our perfect wisdom. The Buddha represents perfect wisdom. So the Buddha, sitting up front, and that means that the one who sees the Buddha and the Buddha are not two things. The thought, the thinking, and the object of the thought is one thing. So in this particular koan, the first challenge is we have to see our life as the life 
of perfection. And that's not a cognitive thing, because as soon as we start thinking about our life cognitively, it's a mess, you know, and all these parts are falling off, and entropy is real, and you know, nothing is working the way it should be. So the first stage of working with the koan like this is we have to go to a place where our mind is big, it's open, it's accepting, it's present. Where we see that the very fact that we are alive, the very fact that this life is moving through us, is a miracle beyond all miracles. That this life is not just a, an arbitrary, random collection, but it is a miracle beyond all miracles, as all lives are. And everything that we see reflects that. So we have to go to the place where our mind is large, it's spacious, it's clear, it's present. It is nice if you can learn how to stop your mind. Some, some weeks I've worked with how do people stop their mind, how do you become still. Stillness is a tool, it's not a goal, it's a tool. You can learn how to stop your mind. and then pay attention, it's just a tool. There are useful things you can see when you can do that tool. When you can stop the mind, when you can allow yourself to be perfectly still without the judgmental mind roiling away in there, right at that moment, everything is just as it is. It's only when the cognitive mind comes in and starts saying, oh, not so good, then everything is as bad as it is. So this particular koan is about transmission. It's about the passing of teaching from one generation to another. It's about the, the awakening of freedom right here. It's never about anybody else. So it's about the awakening of freedom right here. So we are sitting out in a park somewhere, and we are watching somebody look at the rhododendrons. can't think what's in bloom right now. And we're just watching them admire the rhododendrons. And we, we smile. Isn't that, isn't, that, isn't that nice? Isn't that wonderful? One of the four measurables that we talk about is sympathetic joy. That to truly have joy at other people's joy, to really truly have sympathy with other people's joy, to be in harmony with other people's joy, is one of the aspects of liberation. One of the aspects of love. So in this particular koan, we have Shakyamuni Buddha watching a flower, watching the moon, looking at the Sangha. Nansa, no separation there. How do we look at something with no separation? How do we appreciate something with no separation? It's not about someplace. How right now, right here? How do you appreciate this room with no separation? By just looking, by just absorbing it, by just being willing to be present with the way things are, temporary, passing through. So Shakyamuni Buddha is sitting there with a the flower, just present. 
not neutrally present, not present in some cold way. Oh yeah, there I am sitting with my stick, you know, I've got this thing. But really sitting with appreciation. Because without appreciation and love, there is only separation. It is that kind of love, that kind of love that involves being one with, non-separated, the, the, the joy at watching a child, our child, need a task. The joy of watching somebody in the Sangha have a realization or have some, get some gift or be acknowledged in some way. So the essence of this particular koan is love. Now, we get caught, we say, oh, Mahakashapa, he's up there, and you know, Shakyamuni Buddha, he's down here. Those are just stories. Those are just about something to see. Are we going to get tripped, caught by the story? Are we actually going to be able to stay with love? Are we actually going to be able to stay with the experience of appreciation, deep gratitude, respect, and even awe? So how do you demonstrate that? How do you make that real? It's not an abstract thing. How do you make that real? That's what the koan is asking. It's asking, how do you bring this alive right here, right now? How do you make it real? Because that's what practice is about. It's about making it real. It's about making it alive, giving life to our life. So this particular koan is one of those challenges. It says, okay, first off, you've got to see through the story. You've got to see into what it's really talking about. It's really talking about you. It's talking about your heart. It's talking about your wisdom. It's talking about your awakening. Okay? How do you demonstrate that? How do you express that? When we're talking about um, lineage, in this particular tradition, we, we talk about lineage. That is the lineage of teachers, Shakyamuni Buddha, Mahakasho, and so on and so on and so on. Around the 83rd generation from... 82nd or 83rd generation from uh, Shakyamuni Buddha. And it's all made up. It's a story. So you have the name of some somebody in the 12th century. What do we know about that? But the reality is that we are the culmination of a whole eon of events that were one complete total moment has led to the next complete total moment, led to the next complete total moment, led to the next complete total moment, all the way on down through the ages to right here, to this. So when we're talking about lineage, we're talking about uh, the lineage of teachers, we can talk about it in the sense of, oh yeah, there's a series of Buddhist teachers. We can talk about it in the sense of my infinitely deep history the infinite depth of my own life, the infinite riches of my own life, all of my progenitors had to have, had to meet the right person and have sex at the right time for 10,000 years, maybe 300,000 years, in order for me to be here. If they hadn't met the right person and didn't have sex at the right time, I wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here. It's amazing. I have the all-pervading, true dharma, incomparable nirvana, exquisite teaching of formless form. It does not rely upon letters and is transmitted outside of scriptures. I now hand it to Mahakasho. How can you hand something that's formless? How can you hand something 
that doesn't rely upon anything. This koan is about a recognition, about awakening, about an awakening of love, about an awakening of appreciation. When we awaken to the deep appreciation of this lineage, of the richness of our own life, of the richness of everybody's life, of the, the intricate intertwining and interwinding of the world, right there, right there is where we find liberation. So this koan and all the koans, they say, okay, let me see whether you can actually see through this thing or whether you get caught by the story. So here's his commentary. Yellow-faced Gotama is certainly outrageous. You know, Gautama, it's his sort of lay name. Sort of, he's sort of kind of saying, yeah, this old, this old fart is just making a mess of things. Little, little tongue-in-cheek. He turns the noble into the lowly. Sells dog flesh advertised as sheep's head. Presumably sheep's head was a high-quality thing and dog was not so high-quality in this thing. What is it that we get trapped by and we buy the cheap inferior product? The cheap inferior product is, okay, you have a blissful experience. And I will give you a blissful experience. And I will show you have a blissful experience. And people pay really good money and they line up in droves because they're going to get the blissful experience. Everything is impermanent. Every blissful experience changes. Everything passes through. But when we get sold something, said, oh, okay, you know, you do it my way and you'll get what you want. You do it my way and you'll get this thing and you put it in your pocket and carry it around with you. It's not true. But we get trapped by this all the time. So he's, he's basically making a joke here. He's saying, you know, Chakimudabu is outrageous. He's... he's He's kind of turning everything upside down. I thought there was something interesting in it. And he goes on. So part of the essence of koans is, can we see through the persiflage? Can we see through all the hyperbole? Can we see through all the decoration right to the core? And not get sidetracked by whether he's being mean or not mean or nice or sarcastic or not sarcastic. Flower is held up and the secret has been revealed. Mahakashapa breaks into a smile. It's about love. It's about love. The whole con is nothing but love. Everything else is to see whether we can cut through to love. Anyway, every con is, has its own different flavor. Every koan is asking us to um, either see the functioning of that love, see the inclusivity of that love, see the ubiquity of that love, to see the, the, the extraordinary brilliance of that love, the spaciousness of that love that is so pervasive there's nothing outside of it even to call love. That is so it can only be experienced directly. So this koan is about can you experience love so intimately and so directly that with awe there is no separation. 
between you and the Buddha, between Mahakashapa and the Buddha, between the Buddha and the flower, between you and your family, between you and your own body, between you and your life. Now that is a real koan. How do we do that? That's the challenge of this koan. How do you do that? How do we live our life in this kind of expansive, inclusive, present way? So every coin is a challenge. It says, okay, here's the challenge. Here's the practice. Open your mind. Calm your heart. See the world. Everything is nothing but your own life. Let it all in with appreciation. And then respond appropriately. See? Very simple. So may you all open your hearts with deep gratitude and respect for the life that is right there. It's the foundation of all of Dharma.